0: is God with us and we're looking at it in three different phases Uh, we we looked at it from the perspective of it's God he is God all right and um, Emmanuel also being God incarnate God in human flesh so the God came down uh, in human flesh and tonight we're going to look at God with us God with us do you know that God is with us it's 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 real in fact uh, you know the 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 glory and the mystery and the and the wonder and the <clears throat> the amazing thing of the incarnation didn't stop in a manger in bethlehem 2000 years ago what happened there continues on today in our hearts and it continues to bless us today all right so let's have a word of prayer and then we will uh, <clears throat> go through quickly some of the things that we looked at and um, we'll finish up tonight father in heaven would you bless us now as we look to your word would you open the word to us lord and open our hearts to you as well and oh lord i pray that we would uh, glean something that would help us in these days in jesus precious name amen all right so uh, judah was in darkness and in isaiah seven fourteen, uh, god gives them that promise uh he tells them that a virgin will conceive And she will bring forth a child. And then Matthew 1, uh, 22, records it for us again, 22 and 23. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, that's Isaiah, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us, right? Uh, His name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Now, he was God, fully God. So that the, the the baby in the manger was no mere baby. The baby in the manger was fully God. Now, how do you work that out? It's impossible. Your mind and my mind aren't going to be able to actually reconcile the idea of this baby being God. And yet we need to believe it. This baby was born of the virgin. It was placed in the manger, and he was fully God. He never stopped being God. This was not a baby that grew up into being God. He was always God, always had been, and always would be. So he was infinite. Now, infinite is a term that we talk about, but we don't really understand because we're very finite. We're very confined. We're confined in the, uh, in the, in the size of our bodies. We're, consi- we're confined, uh, you know, in time. We're confined in every way. God's not. He is infinite in every way, infinite in wisdom, infinite in love. He is infinite in everything. You can add infinite to everything that you talk to about God. So he's a being that is completely different to us. Now, human beings tend to want to make God like them. But he's not. Now, we're made in his image. But we're a very pale reflection of this great God. So you're not going to be able to understand everything he does. You're not going to be able to work him out. Finite can't work out infinite. And Jesus was infinite, right? Um, And then we looked at the fact that that he was incarnate. The incarnation is really God taking on human flesh. And I suppose the best way that, that I can understand this is that what God did was, God came down and he cloaked himself in the flesh of a human being, of a baby. I don't know how he did it, but he did. So that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He wasn't a mixture. He was fully God and fully man. He was fully God so that all that can be said about God could be said about Jesus and to the same extent. He was fully God and he was born in that, uh, came forth from Mary and he was born and placed in the, in the manger and he was different to every other child that's ever been born. There'll never be a child like him because he was uh, fully God, right? And again, we need to understand that, that not only was, was he God, but he came and he wrapped himself in human flesh. And the, the difficult thing uh, to some extent about that is that he didn't look any different. If you'd walked into that Uh, Stable and looked at this baby in the manger, he didn't look different from other babies. He didn't, you know, have, you know, the other way they they picture him with the little halo around his head and the light shining out of him and everything else. That wasn't true. All of that was cloaked. All of that was was covered. So that even when he walked, Isaiah tells us that he hath no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. There was nothing special about the way Jesus looked. He was just, you know, he was just a Middle Eastern man probably shorter than some of us, and, um, you know, of, the, of that darker skin. You know, he, he, he was just a man. and He looked just like a man. But he was God. That human body cloaked the, the reality uh, of the fact that he was God. And when you, when you actually can get your head around that, and by the way, you don't get your head around that by understanding it. Finite can't understand, infinite. You get your head around that by, by accepting it, by believing it. All right, I believe it. The Bible says it. It's true. I'm going to believe it. Now, when, when you come to the place where you under where you rather accept, where you believe that Jesus was fully God, that he was f- completely God and completely man and that he was born uh, and placed in a manger, you know what? All the rest of the miracles in the Bible kind of fall into place. If, if, if this was God in the manger, going to grow up like a man so that he could save us, then you know what? Could he calm a storm? Well, of course he could. He's God. Could he feed five well, thousand? Of course he could. He was God. Could he raise the dead? Well, of course he could. Could do anything, because he was fully God. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to look at the fact, though, of him being with us, all right? Now, God took on human flesh and came and was born in a uh, human body, and he grew up like a human being, and he became a man, and he worked. And then he went out, and he did all these miracles, and showed his power, and showed uh, who it is that he was. uh, Demonstrated for the Jews that he was indeed their Messiah. right? And Emmanuel, God with us, uh, we need to take on board. What was he with us for? Why, why did he come? Why did all this great miracle of God, infinite, almighty, all-knowing, come and become incarnate, take on human flesh, and, and, and live, and walk, and look like a human being, and th- then die? And it goes, why did he come? Well, first of all, he came to save. Right. <clears throat> Jesus said in in, in Luke 19 that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That he came to actually look for you. To look for me. He came to seek and to save that which... He came to save... You see, we keep reminding ourselves of this, that there was no way to heaven for us apart from Jesus. If Jesus had looked down on the situation in Israel and on Mary and Joseph and said, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't go down there and live with, with all that. And I just can't do it. You and I today, we be going to hell. If Jesus had come to the cross and if he, had, if, he had, if, he had, if he had at the last minute said, I can't do that. Father, take it away. I don't want it. I'm not, I'm not willing to go through with it. His father could have sent 10,000 angels. He could, have, uh, <clears throat> he could have delivered Jesus from the cross. But how would the prophecy have been fulfilled then? How would we be, have been saved? We wouldn't. Because, you see, you and I deserve hell. You and I have no right to dwell in the presence of a holy God. And Jesus came, and he hung on a cross to save us. But a whole lot more happened. A whole lot more. And listen, it's reasonable that that should be the focus of our thinking and our teaching. That's reasonable. But you know what? Much more than just saving us happened. He came to be God with us. And although Jesus went back on that ascension day up to heaven, remember what he did? He sent his spirit. Who's the spirit? The spirit is Jesus. Same God. So that the reality is, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and was born in Bethlehem, was placed in a manger, and he's never left. <clears throat> Effectively, he's never left. We have his spirit still today. Uh, he's here with us, uh, he works in us. And. Um, <clears throat> Jesus came to live and dwell in us. I want you to look at John chapter 14 with me for a second. right? John chapter 14. John chapter 14, what we'll do is we're going to start at the beginning here, right, of John chapter 14, and we're going to go maybe halfway through this chapter, right? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." And whither I go, ye you know, and the way ye you know. Now, we know what's happening here. This is the, the upper room discourse, uh, John 14, 15, and 16. It starts in John 13. And uh, what Jesus is doing is he's he's having the last supper with them, And then uh, he's going to go out into the garden, and then his enemies are going to come and take him. He's going to be tried, and he's going to be crucified the next day. Right? So... Oh, what we've got here is we've got here Jesus setting these disciples up for the fact that he was going to be snatched from their presence completely, which he had been teaching them, but they didn't get. They didn't understand. They, they weren't able to get their heads around it. And so what he's telling them is, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. and I'm going to come back for you. It's very personal. It's not just, yeah, I'm going to come back. It's I'm coming back for you. And he's coming back for you. very personal. That's the great confidence and hope that a believer has is the fact that Jesus is coming back for me. All right, but let's go on because he's got much more to say to them. He's preparing these guys for what's going to happen. Um, Thomas saith unto him, verse 5, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And by the way, religion doesn't save and church doesn't save. A person saves. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to heaven apart from him. It's not a, a decision. It's a person. It's a decision to receive a person that saves somebody, but it's not the decision. It's not a prayer. It's, it's, it's believing in a person that saves somebody. Then verse 7, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou not then? How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Now Jesus has given him a great truth. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does that mean? I am the Father. We're one and the same. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Now, Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the express image of the Father. You know, you might be a chip off the old block, right? And um, that can be a bad thing, can't it? Uh, it can be a good thing sometimes, too. But Jesus wasn't just a chip off the old block, He wasn't like Dad, Jesus was Dad. Now you say again, hang on a minute. How am I going to understand that? You don't have to understand that. Fine, I I can't comprehend infinite. What you have to do is accept that, that Jesus and the Father were one. All right? Um, Philip saith unto Lord... Sorry, uh, uh, verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do, also and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it." Great precious promise there. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. See the word another there? There's two different words you can use for another. There's another of a different kind, and there's another of the same kind. The word here is another of the same kind. It's the Greek word heteros. It's the, another of the same kind. I'm going to give you um, another of the same kind. The same kind as what? The same kind as Jesus. I'm going to give you someone that's just like me. In fact, we're going to see somebody who actually is uh, him. Uh, and it's called the comforter. Now, why do you think these guys were going to need a comforter? Because they're going to watch... There, Jesus, hanging on a cross and bowing his head and dying. And they're going to be relieved because he suffered so much. They're going to actually be relieved that he's gone. But it's going to destroy their world because they thought it was impossible. It was impossible for this Jesus to die. They were going to need comfort. And the Holy Spirit was going to bring comfort. Do you know that if we didn't need comfort, God wouldn't have sent a comforter to us? But we need comfort. And there's a comforter that's come to stay. Let's keep on going here. Um, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, Huge change happened when the Spirit came. If you go through the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon someone like um, Samson. And he would come upon him, and he could do great things because he had the Spirit of God come upon him. But the Spirit of God could be removed from him and was. And he wished not that the Spirit of God was removed from him uh, when Delilah cut his hair. And so the Philistines came, and they took him. And that's what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people. but And, and these men knew the ministry of the Spirit of God in their lives. But, but Jesus said this, but it's going to be different. He's going to be in you. All right? I'm with you now, guys. <coughs> I've walked with you. I've taught you. I've done the miracles. I've shown uh, my power. I've shown that I'm the Messiah. I've done all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm gone now, though. But... I'm going to give you somebody just like me, and it not, he's not going to just walk with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to dwell in you. He's going to show his power by actually dwelling in you and being part of you. You have a comforter that dwells within you. Why? Because a baby got born 2,000 years ago, and he was placed in a manger, and he grew up, and he asked the father, To send you someone just like him to dwell in you. So that we, when we say Emmanuel, God with us, we're not looking in the crib. That's real. That happened. When we say Emmanuel, God with us, it's much more than that. It's God, the spirit of God dwelling in me now. It's real. God is there to comfort me, to walk with me, to help me. Let me read you a few more verses and and then we'll move on here, right? Um, He says in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless there is the word orfe, and we get the word orphans from it. They were going to feel like orphans. They were going to feel terrible when he went. He said, I'm not going to leave you that way. Won't leave you an orphan. Do you ever feel like you were dislocated and, and um, uh, you weren't connected and you were on your own and you were living your own? That's not true for the believer. It might feel that way sometimes. You might walk away from God and you might not be able to feel his presence. But understand this. He has promised you he will not leave you an orphan. He said, <clears throat> I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, how is he going to come to us? How is he going to come to them in the Spirit? Now, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are all one. They're all one. It's all the same. He's going to come to you. Uh, so he's, he's going to go. They're going to feel like orphans. But he's going to send them a comforter. He's going to send them the Spirit. He's going to uh, come to them. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Uh, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, what have we got here? We've got the spirit in us. We've got the father and the son making their abode, coming to dwell with us. What happened in that manger, uh, in that girl's body, and was placed in a manger, changed everything forever. God came down, and he didn't go back. And he's not going back. He's come down uh, to be with us. But notice this, uh, that it says, if he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Manifest means to To show. Here's the thing. You're not going to see God, even though he's there, if you're not willing to walk with him. You see, I got glasses, right? Now, I can see you all. I can count you uh, from here. Um, But I can't see you clearly. I can't see your faces as clearly as I can when I put on the glasses. You see, you get made manifest when I put on the glasses. God gets made manifest when you obey. God becomes real he becomes clear because obeying him is a sign of your love for him and what that does is love and faith and obedience get wrapped up into one and the more you walk with him the more you see him the more real he becomes is God real we know he is is God more real than the world around you Mmm, that's hard, isn't it? He is. How are you going to know that? When you give yourself to him and you love and obey him. And by the way, it's not obeying a system of religion. We don't do, do very good at that. It's a person. We're going to walk with that person and we're going to obey him. We're going to do what he wants us to do. You walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're going to walk with him and enjoy him. And when we do, it's almost as though, you know, did you, did you ever go, if, you, if you've ever had an eye test, right? You go and you sit in the, uh, in the opticians and he puts these horrible pair of glasses in front of you. And I think that they, they, they've, they, they're modifying it. Uh, but he puts these horrible pair of glasses on you and um, he starts dropping little lenses into it. And he says, better or worse better or worse and he keeps dropping lenses in. and all the time what he's trying to do is he's trying to get your eye to see as sharp as you possibly can with it see the lens that you and I see God through is love and faith and obedience are the demonstrations of that love so that when you're not loving him when you're not obeying him, when you're not walking with him, you can't see him. That's why sometimes some people, he he seems so real and you think, what's wrong with me? you got the wrong glasses on. You need need to let him fix the glasses. You need to say, Lord, I, I want more of you. And it's not that you can have more of him, but you can see him. The more willing you are to obey him and to yield to him and to trust him, the more of him you see, because he's much more real than the world is. And I think the shame is that oftentimes believers spend their lives hawking around the world looking for something to make them feel good when the reality is we have it. We have him. All right? And remember, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all wrapped up in that, and he hasn't gone back. All right, so... um, Keep that in mind. And, and the, the, the more you yield to him, the more you will see of him. So he came with us to came to us to save us. He hasn't gone back. He's still there. Uh, he came to identify with us as well. You know, Jesus knows what it's like to be you. You see, no, he doesn't. I got problems, I got issues. No, he walked in the world uh, <coughs> so that he could know what it's like to be you. Hebrews 2.17 says, Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, uh, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Uh, Verse 18 says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Now, succor means to strengthen, to encourage, to come alongside and help you. Because he knows what it's like to be you. Do you know, Jesus knows what it's like to want to do drugs. You say, how does he know that? Because he knows what the pain of living in this world is. And he knows what it's like to want something to make it feel better. Because he's walked like you and I. The difference between you and I, him and us, is he didn't give in to it. He, he, he knows what it's like to desire immorality. He knows what it's like to want something to make the pain of this world go away so that he can feel better. And you say, well, why does that matter? Here's why it matters. If you're going to have somebody that you go to for help, you need them to understand. Do you ever go and pour out your problem to somebody and they say, yeah, but you know they don't really get it. They've never been there and they don't really get it. Jesus gets it. He knows, in fact, Hebrews 4.14 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See when it says there, the feeling of our infirmities. Not alone does he know what it's like to be you. He knows the feelings. He knows the feelings. You know those days when you're having a bad day? And you feel like, oh, forget this. I'm not going to make it. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get me through this day. You know that kind of, Jesus knows what that feels like. By the way, if you think you've been tempted, picture this, Matthew chapter 4. Jesus uh, is... Uh, Led into the wilderness of the Holy Spirit to be tempted of the devil. He's led out there for the purpose of being tempted. And for 40 days, Satan himself throws everything he's got in his tool bag at Jesus. Absolutely everything. You know, we have recorded three temptations, but you know what? He tempted him in every way possible. Everything that, 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 that you could throw at someone, Satan, because he knew this. He knew that if he could just get him off track, if he, if he could just appeal to the, to, to the flesh of Jesus and get Jesus to do something wrong, then the whole jig was up. And he was king of the world. And he won. And he knew that if he failed, that Jesus had the power to overcome him. So everything that was possible to throw at him, he threw at him. You know what? You need to remember that. On those bad days when it feels like the enemy is just all over you and he's he's wearing you down and wearing you out, you have a high priest who knows what that feels like. You can come to him uh, with that and you can say, you can say, Lord, I I know you know what this feels like today. And be sure that he does. And the feeling of our infirmities, you know what? Here's what we say. We say, yeah, but Jesus was always strong and I'm always weak. And that's true. But you know what? He still knows what it feels like to be weak. Think of him on the cross. How do you think he did that? I mean, that was set out to shred every piece of dignity and strength a person has. I mean... That was abuse like no other abuse the world has ever known. Once again, everything that could be thrown at him was thrown at him. And he didn't give in. He didn't give up. He went through it all. He knows what it feels like for you on your worst day. God with us knows what it's like to walk in human flesh. But I love Hebrews 4.16. 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's grace? Grace is God's supernatural enabling, undeserved. You don't have to earn it. It's God's supernatural enabling. And what does he say to you there? He says to you, come boldly. He doesn't say, you know, come with your fingers crossed, hoping. He doesn't say come crawling on your belly. He says, come boldly, expecting help. Why? Because Emmanuel, God with us, came into the world, lived a perfect life, faced all that you and I faced, died on a cross, won the victory for us, and sent the Spirit down to dwell in us. And he says, you can come boldly for what you need today. You don't need need to suffer on your own. Somebody said that Jesus suffered on his own. The Father turned his back on him so that you and I would never have to. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because Emmanuel, God with us, came and he's not going back. He's not going back till we're going with him. Right? We have it all. right? Now, you see, what's your greatest need? And your greatest needs to be saved. Because an eternity in hell is unthinkable. It's just something uh, any any reasonable-minded person just can't think of. God sent his son so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. If you will trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, he will save you. But more than that, you need to be reconciled with your God. You were made by God for God. And <clears throat> You need to be reconciled to this God and to walk with him and to enjoy him. That's what Jesus came to do. And you see, he knew that we wouldn't do it by ourselves. So he changed everything. King David had the spirit come upon him for different things in his life. But he didn't know the spirit like you can he didn't know the indwelling of the comforter. He didn't have what you have. As great a man as he was, he didn't have that. You see, the, Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, so that the Spirit could indwell us and stay with us, so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit could all take up residence inside of us, and he would stay, and he could work in us. And when you have a problem, you don't have to go you know, to a mountaintop and, and, and cry out to God from a mountaintop. You just need to bow your head and say, Lord, I know you're here. I need your help. I'm not able. And he's always there. He's always there. He never leaves. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Emmanuel, God with us, is the Best news the world has ever heard means we can be saved. But it also means we can have Him with us. Always. You know, you need to get your lenses fixed. You need to walk with Him. You need to love Him, do what He wants you to do, and see the reality of this great God that came and was put in human flesh, robed in human flesh, and hasn't gone away, because he's there for you. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us now? This evening, Lord, just put your hand upon us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending him from heaven. Jesus, we thank you for coming. Blessed Spirit, we thank you that we can be filled with you, that you can have your will and your way in us. We thank you that you've never gone home, Uh, We thank you, Lord, that that we have a a high priest that knows exactly what it feels like uh, to be us. We thank you, Lord, that we have a comforter, that we're not left orphans. Oh, Lord, we thank you for Christmas time. We thank you for the remembrance of the fact that Jesus came and that he's not going back. And, Lord, we thank you for salvation that's free and that's full as well, Lord. Now, Lord, would you bless us? Would you help us, each one of us? Uh, to walk in your presence and to see more of you, Lord, and to walk in love with you, Lord, and to uh, know the reality, Lord, of your hand and your power in our lives. In Jesus' precious name.